Hey guys, welcome to the Frontline Community Church Podcast. My name is David Dorner, and I am the teaching pastor here at Frontline in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and it is so good to be with you. Our mission in this world is to see zero people unchanged by Jesus. So whether you've been following Jesus for a lifetime or if your journey's just begun, we hope that this message will speak powerfully to your heart, that it will reveal something that God desires to cultivate in your life, and that you'll be drawn to the person of Jesus as a result. We hope these next few moments encourage you, challenge you, and inspire you to be who God has created you to be. We hope you enjoy it. Well, hey, good morning, Frontline. How are we doing in the room today? Good. It's good to see you. It's good to be with you. It's good to have you if you're joining and watching online. So happy that you're here. And speaking of online as well, something cool, something exciting uh, for everybody in the room and watching online is we've totally revamped our online experience for you specifically this summer. Uh, we know summer lends itself to traveling, to vacations, to different breaks, uh, cottages and camping and whatnot. And so what we wanted to do is we actually wanted to change the experience for you so that if you're watching from a distance, you can actually not just passively watch, but also engage yourself and with the people around you that you're watching with. So uh, we hope you'll check it out. We hope you'll, you'll tune in or watch or listen on the podcast uh, afterwards. But for today, I can't wait to get into what we were talking about. But I have to ask you a question first. And the question goes something like this. Drum roll, please. There it is. Do you need a break or an escape? Do you need a break or an escape this summer. I was thinking about this, getting ready. We're in a brand new series called Summer in the Psalms. So if you're joining us for the first time, uh, this is a brand new series that we're tracking through a number of different psalms throughout the summer. Um, and, and psalms is like another word for song. Uh, King David penned a lot of these songs. And so as you're looking forward to summer, as you're looking forward to this break that many of us have coming up, I have a break starting today after church. I can't wait for it. Do you need a break though? Or do you need an escape? What's the difference? A break, if I could simplify it this way, a break is something that you look forward to. It's about what you're going towards or moving towards, but an escape is something that you are running from. How many of you need a break? And how many of you need an escape? I think about this last year, maybe, maybe certain people are running through your mind, maybe certain countries like our own are running through your mind, maybe political parties, maybe neighborhoods, maybe family members, I hope not spouses. Maybe What escape do you need in your life right now? Is there anything that you're running from or is your heart more focused on what you are running to? And here's why I ask that question. How you answer that question, do you need a break or do you need an escape, is a great indicator on the current health and status of your soul. So all of us have one of these on our cars. You know what this is? This is the money, the money indication, right? As soon as this pops up, I wish it had like dollar signs for how expensive it's gonna be. You know what I'm talking about? Like Yelp, like one for not to, it's like a turn signal. Four is like just, just park it and you're done. You know, we have these for our soul. We have a check engine light for our soul. How you answered the last question, are you looking forward to something or are you running from something, is a great indicator. If you're running from something, that's like a little check engine light that's popping up on your soul saying, hey, you might want to check this out. 
There might be something wrong. There might be something unhealthy. There might be something out of rhythm. There might be something that's problematic for you, and you need to pay attention to it. Because chances are, if you're the type of person that sees this light on your car and ignores it, there's a good chance you might do the same with your soul. You know what I'm talking about? I hate this light. I hate this light on my car. I don't know anything about cars. I hate them. I changed the oil uh, in an ATV this last week, and I, I called somebody afterwards. I went, I think I broke it. I, all I did was put the plug back in. I think I over tight. I hate this stuff. My hands are all met. I hate this stuff. Check engine lights. I'm, as soon as that light comes on the car, I'm ready to hand the keys to somebody. Just go, it's your problem. You fix it. I don't know. We have these in our life, though. We have these in our lives that when things go wrong, things are off, things are, are not rhythmic, things are not peaceful, things are not steady. When things are off in our life, it's like a check engine light for your soul. And so this is so important because of this today. The best thing that you bring to every single context of your life is a healthy soul. And especially guys, I'll talk to guys for just a second because this is how I think, right? This is, this is my thinking. Uh, oftentimes I put spirituality and faith in my relationship with God in its own category of life. And then I have a family category, I have a work category, I have a personal category, and sometimes I just try to make sure that they don't touch, that they're all super separate. But here's how it works in the kingdom of God. Your faith, your spirituality, the health of your soul affects everything. So the psalm that we're going to jump into today is one I just can't wait to talk to you about because it's a psalm that so many of you are so familiar with. There's a good chance many of you have heard this at a funeral. It's Psalm 23. You probably heard some of the words even in the worship set, which was so powerful this morning. You probably heard some of the songs or recognized some of the phrases or passages from Psalm 23. We're going to walk through it together today. But here's the question I want to ask. You may have heard this at a funeral in your life, but what if Psalm 23, what if a proper understanding of this psalm that David wrote, what if it could prevent a funeral in your life? Would it change something? Would it change anything? The biggest focus of our attention today is on your soul. So let's jump in. Let's study it together. We're going to be in Psalm chapter 23. It starts in verse 1. King David is the writer of this psalm. King David um, was one of Israel's greatest kings to have ever lived. He was a man described by God as a man after God's own heart. I love King David. I'm actually named after King David. I, I love this character. I love learning about him. I love studying him. But there's so much in this passage that you need to understand, not about David's role as a king, but as David's role as a shepherd long before he ever became king. David was the youngest of his brothers. He was out in the fields, and so he was often overlooked and forgotten because he was caring for and tending the sheep out in the pasture for year after year after year after year. And so when he became king, it wasn't just like a promotion, like you're no longer a shepherd, which was a lowly, not desirable job, but now it was you're a different type of shepherd. You are no longer caring after a flock of sheep. Now you are caring after a flock of God's people. So what David writes, he writes this towards the end of his life as he reflects back on his life. He pens these words as a reflection of his role as king through the eyes of a shepherd. And it says this, the Lord is my shepherd 
and I lack nothing. As King David describes his relationship with God that comes out of the health of his soul, he says, the Lord is like my shepherd. And when the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Now think about it today. I mean, just wherever you're sitting, wherever you're watching, whatever you're doing right now, do you lack anything right now? Do you lack direction? Do you lack purpose? Do you lack protection? Do you lack provision? What, what do you lack right now? King David says, when the Lord is your shepherd, you lack nothing. Let's keep reading verse 2. It says this, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. I love, we're just going to unpack this mostly through the eyes of a shepherd in the Middle East today. And you might think, what does this have anything to do with me? You will be amazed as we get deeper and deeper into this, how closely linked being a shepherd is and how God is our shepherd actually impacts us and affects us on our daily lives. Sheep, uh, this is funny, I was reading a lot. You can go back to that last slide. Uh, Sheep, uh, described by a Middle Eastern shepherd today, I'm gonna mention him even later. Uh, He said, sheep are the dumbest animal on the planet. He said, you've never been to a carnival or you've never been to a circus in which a sheep did anything wonderful because they're dumb. They can't learn. They're incapable. So what he says is he's writing this like a reflection on Psalm 23. He says, it's almost an insult to be called a sheep. And God calls us sheep over 200 times in the Bible. So think about this. The dumbest animal on the planet is who we have the most in common with. So as we, as we read this, I want to understand this. It says, he leads me beside quiet waters. What the shepherd said is sheep are absolutely terrified of running water, flowing water, moving water, anything. Why? Because they're made of what? Wool. Is wool absorbent or water repellent? Sheep are so dumb that if the water's moving, if they get in too far, their wool will soak up the water, they'll sink to the bottom, and they'll die. So they actually need a still, calm water source. So the shepherd, if he sees running water, if he sees moving water, remember this is Israel, this is like a desert. So only in the rainy season is there running, rushing water unless there's a big river. So the the shepherd, instead of leading that, the sheep won't drink at the river, he'll divert water out of the river and create a pool of water that is safe for his sheep to drink. And then it says he leads me, or he makes me lie down in green pastures. So let's go to this next slide. Isn't this what you think of when I say green pasture? Right? Isn't this? I've been to North Dakota. The whole thing's just one green pasture. You know, it's just rolling, it's grassy. As, as I've read Psalm 23 in the past, this is what I picture. When the Lord is my shepherd, he leads me here, and I just roll around in it. I got nothing to do but eat and be happy and be merry. But through the eyes of a shepherd, it's so different. This is what it looks like in Israel's context. This is a green pasture. Check this out sparse. In a desert where there's nothing but sand and rocks, this is a buffet. And so the shepherd who knows the land inside and out, he knows it better than the back of his own hand. He leads his sheep. They don't corral. They don't hit them from behind. They don't motivate. They lead from the front, and the shepherd leads his sheep to places where he knows there will be provision for his sheep because without the shepherd, the sheep will die. 
And so he leads them to green pastures like this. What he, what he would say, this shepherd that was writing, he says, I would wake up early in the morning and I would get the sheep and I would lead them and move them because it would take us all morning to get to a place like this. It is hard work for the shepherd to lead the sheep to a very small place of provision. But they trust him and they follow him and the shepherd leads them to provision. Let's keep reading. Psalm 23, verse 4, it says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It was dangerous being a sheep in the Middle East, just as it is today. Whether you're talking Israel or Palestine or Syria, or whatever, it's dangerous as a sheep because you have no ability to run. You're slow. You have no ability to think. You're dumb. You have no ability to defend yourself. You just take it, or you fall off a cliff, or you follow your brother who fell off a cliff, and then the next one. And they're just dumb animals. So here's what it says. It says, I will fear no evil. I will fear no attack. I will fear no vulnerability. I will, I will fear nothing because your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I had to look this up. What's the difference between a rod and a staff? Check this out. The rod and the staff are different. It looks like this. The staff, it is longer. This is what we see at Christmas, right? We see the wise men, and they all have this one stick, and it's long, and the shepherds that were there. And so we see the staff. We're used to the staff. The staff does a couple of things. It kind of guides and taps and directs and corrals and like, hey, come back over here. But then this hook is so important because when a sheep gets in trouble, they can flip the staff around and use it as a hook and grab them by the leg and rescue them. So I could understand the staff is comforting. If I'm a sheep and I see my shepherd who has a tool at his disposal for me, isn't that comforting? But then there's this other one. I never understood this one. This is, this is the rod. The rod was also like a club. The rod was used not on the sheep, but on the enemies of the sheep. King David, as he was out, he wrote in other parts of, of the Old Testament, King David was out and he would protect his sheep from animals like bears, like lions, like wolves, like dogs and predators. David was so accustomed to using both of these tools, one to correct and guide and help maintain the sheep in the herd, and the other one was to protect against the enemies. And here's what's so important, and hear this. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what your life is like. I, I know there's different things that the enemy uses to try and hurt you or destroy you or cause pain or harm. The club is a short-range weapon. God is not the type of shepherd that fights from a distance. God is the type of shepherd that confronts the enemy on our behalf. As David is writing this from the perspective of a sheep, he says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Because even when we lack the ability to defend or fight for ourselves, he says, my shepherd will do it for me. Let's keep reading. It says this, verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. I got to be honest with you, as I've read this over the years, this verse seems out of place to me. I didn't get it. I didn't understand. I'm like, we're just talking about predators and bears and animals and lions, like, like big stuff. And then why, how do we get to oil? 
Like, what, are, we, are we cooking them up after we kill them? What are we, what's the part here? I don't, I'm not understanding it. And it says, you, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. When sheep would arrive at a pasture, one of the biggest enemies of sheep, believe it or not, would be vipers. They'd be snakes. And so snakes have holes in the ground. And the shepherd, as he's writing this, he says, here's my remedy for this. I would take olive oil and I would dump a little bit of olive oil down these different snake holes. And then I would put olive oil on the head of the sheep to prevent the snakes from getting up the holes to affect the animals. So he said, how funny, how marvelous that the sheep are grazing and eating and feasting in the presence of the enemy that can kill them. God says, that's the type of shepherd that I am. He says, you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. At the end of the day, the shepherd would gather the flock. He would go through each and every single sheep, and he would look for wounds. He would look for broken bones. He would look for scrapes and blood. He would look for issues. He would look for sheep that were sick or that were diseased, and he would care for them. And it says he would take those that were especially hurting or struggling or sick. He would have an overflowing cup. He said that sometimes they would drink it so fast that as they drink, the water splashes over their head. They submerge their entire head in the provision that the shepherd provides provided for them. My cup overflows. King David, as he's writing, saying, when the Lord is my shepherd, I like nothing. I like nothing. And then he says this in verse 6, surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Doesn't that sound awesome? Doesn't that sound peaceful? You know, the Lord is a good shepherd of us. And he has a plan for us. He has a purpose for us. He has provision for us. If you will learn to follow him, as your shepherd. So let me ask you this question. Who is your shepherd? Who is your shepherd? All of us in this room, maybe most of us in this room, probably would love to say, Jesus, right? Because that's the church answer. If you don't know, if, if you're not around church, if you're not familiar, any question, Jesus is a good answer. It's 98% of the time you're going to nail it. Who is your shepherd? You want to say, Jesus is. But, but let's be honest here, because this is also church. Let's be honest here. For most of us, our shepherd is you. For most of us in this room, at different seasons of our life, different things change. What we decide is no longer Jesus is my shepherd, no longer Jesus is my guide, no longer Jesus is my provider. We substitute and we say, I think I can do a better job. I got this. I'll take over. Can you imagine a sheep saying that to a shepherd? I'm good. I got it. I'm fine. And the shepherd's looking going, you can't even drink without the risk of dying. You have no idea where you're at. 
You have no idea what to do. You have no ability to defend yourself. What do you mean you're good without me? But most of us, this is how we actually think. This is how we operate. Here's what I mean by this. When I am my own shepherd, I make the decisions in my life. When I am my own shepherd, I decide who I can trust. When I am my own shepherd, I determine my own need. I provide for myself. I am my first priority because if I'm not my first priority, I'm nobody's priority. That's honestly how so many of us actually live our lives. We assume that we are better shepherds of our lives than God. And if I'm shooting super straight with you, that will eventually cost you on a soul level. Check engine lights are funny um, to me. Very few have I actually had pop up. I just try to get rid of them before. I'm like, eh, they, they go bad around like 120. I'm going to dump them at 115. I just want to get rid of them. They scare me. They make me nervous. But check engine lights are funny. Oftentimes, you can still operate your vehicle while that light is on. You know what I'm saying? Uh, if you're like my dad, this was a creative approach. Uh, he would plug it in like his computer and he would like the little reader and he would just hit clear and then it would go away. I was like, that's a very convenient approach. At a certain point, you forget about it. You forget that it's on. You forget that something's wrong. He was so mechanically inclined. He was good. He knew how to fix it and take it apart. So he wasn't worried. He often knew what it was and removed it. But isn't it true that often that's what we do in our lives? Oh, man, my marriage is off right now. It feels a little funny. Things are off. We're distant. We're not exactly firing the way that we used to. But it's okay. I know what the problem is. I'm not going to do anything about it. Click. Or maybe, maybe we do that differently. Oh, man, I'm just bouncing church to church to church to church, and it just feels weird. Like, I, I'm looking for the perfect church for me that fits my needs, that speaks to what I need, that I feel comfortable, that I, 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 I. And at a certain point, you go, this feels weird, but this is normal. This is called church hopping. That one's more convicting. Maybe, maybe it's something different. Maybe you go, I, I haven't spent time in the Word. I haven't studied. I haven't prayed. I've actually relied on other people to facilitate for me in my life that relationship with God. And so it feels off. I don't know if I've ever heard from God. I don't know if I've heard from Him for a long time. I don't know if I believe in that. In fact, I don't know if I believe the, the Bible, if it's everything that it says is true. That's a check engine light. There is a problem. And so many of us we plug it in, we hit clear, and we move on with our lives. And I promise you, write this down. If you ignore the check engine lights of your soul, it will eventually cost you on a soul level. And it's the most expensive. It's blow up. It's implosion. It's affair. It's addiction. It's job loss. Fill in the blank. So many of us, all we have to do is turn on the news or read a couple news articles and we'll go, huh. So that's what happens when you ignore it for that long. This is when you run away, when you try to escape, that that light begins blinking, saying, pay attention. It's called the Holy Spirit giving you an invitation as a shepherd. It's not the rod. It's not the club. It's not God saying, I'm going to get your attention. I'm going to blow up your life to do it. That's not how God is. It's the staff. It's, it's come on back. 
I'm here. Stay close. Stay near. I'm here. This is what happens, I think, for many of us, the temptation even this summer. And maybe this is you, maybe not. But the temptation this summer for many of us maybe is to coast spiritually. Just to jump on autopilot. I'm just going to kind of take a break and take it easy, not engage with church. Maybe I'll watch online. I heard what he said at the beginning, but I'm probably not going to do it anyway. I don't really like watching online. I don't really like engaging with with my family. Nobody really notices if I'm not here in church anyway. I'm just going to coast. I'm just going to move into autopilot. I've done it every year before. It's going to be the same this year, and I've been fine. Maybe the temptation for you is to do this, to disengage from church, to disengage from your small group, to disengage from quiet time with God, reading scripture, to disengage from prayer, and to run to something else in its place. Uh, If if you have a personality like me, to run to something fun. I told you I hate engines, but I love engines, if you know what I mean. I love being on an engine that works, that requires nothing of me. It's so easy for me in the summer to run to things that are fun, to take trips, to disengage from my life. But here's the thing. It's called spiritual suicide when you disengage on a soul level from the source of everything being God. It's spiritual suicide. And how how do I know? How can I prove it to you? If you look at the life of King David... Here's what happens. God did some amazing things in his life, especially early on. He was a shepherd. He was anointed the next king over Israel. He waited 15 years for that to come to fruition. 15 years later, he becomes the king over Israel, and God is with him. God's favor is with him. He gets success after success after success. He's wealthy. His influence grows. His power grows. Everything. God is for David, and it is amazing. And then David does something. David disengages from his people. He disengages from his role. He disengages from his God, his heavenly shepherd. And this is what happens as a result. Because he thought he knew best. He had an affair. He committed murder. He lost control of his family. His kids did unspeakable things to each other. One of them even tried overthrowing David, his own father from the throne. So David ran away and hid. It's like in a moment the bottom falls out. Here's my question for you. It's been the same version of the question that I've asked you this entire time, and it's this. How is your soul doing today? Are you able to see how close you are to the cliff or how close that enemy is that is coming after you? How is your soul actually doing today? I love this. I want to read this little excerpt from the shepherd that I've talked about writing about Psalm 23 from his perspective. He says this, As undignified as my profession is, it still amazes me that God compares himself to a shepherd and his people to sheep. I can see the truth in it, though. After all, he meets our needs by providing the necessities of life, by guiding us each day, and by protecting us. I guess we would be as content and at peace as my sheep if we would just learn to trust and follow him. Even if we don't understand where he's leading or what he's doing in our lives, if we would just trust and follow him, we would be satisfied. 
just like verse 1, where we lack nothing. You have a heavenly shepherd that longs to lead you, who longs to provide for you, who longs to protect you, who longs to care for you, to speak to you, to minister to your soul. And as I was thinking about it, Jesus did not die on the cross for me so that I could disengage from him every summer. He died on the cross for me and for you so that the source of all life might come from him. So how's your soul today? Is God your shepherd? Do you allow Jesus to speak to you? Do you allow the Holy Spirit to convict you? Do you allow him to weigh in on your decisions, decisions you have to make about your family, about the direction of your future, about your job, about people, about your resources, your money, your time? Do you allow God to lead you or do you continue to lead yourself? You know, back in, uh, in October, I, I'm just, I'm going to shoot super straight with you. Um, I don't let God lead my life well. It's been an area of growth for me for probably a decade now. It was when I first gave my life to him, it was like, okay, I, I, I said, Jesus, I want to make you king over my life. I, my salvation is now found in you. It's no longer me. I don't care what people think anymore. It's just you. And I felt like at that moment, God said, David, I'm calling you into ministry. And I went, dang it. This is why I didn't give in earlier. I never wanted to do this. I never wanted to be in ministry. My dad's in ministry. I saw that. I was up close. I went, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't like that. I'm not wired for that. And so here I am now, you know, 10 plus years later, and I'm in ministry, and I'm learning, and I'm leading, and I'm enjoying, and, and I'm really figuring out what it means to have the Lord as my shepherd. So back in October, uh, I have different warning lights in my life. Uh, I articulated some of them because I wanted to share with you and be honest. Uh, here are some of the warning lights in my life that I was feeling in October. I was tired. I was working a ton, I was cynical, and sarcasm was my default. Anybody else like that? I just find myself, it's like, it's easy to just jump into that mode. I was restless, I was anxious, my relationship with God actually felt distant. It didn't feel close. It didn't feel like I, I was right there next to him. It didn't feel like I could hear from him on a regular basis. It was like something's off, warning, check engine, not right. And I was no longer bringing 100% of David to anyone. And so I was on my way out to a retreat. It was a pastor's retreat. I didn't really look for it. Uh, I was invited to go and I went, sure, that sounds fun. It was for three days, it was over in Wisconsin. And so I remember driving, I was in the car and I'm still like an hour away from my destination. And I go, you know what? I may as well ask God why I'm here. And so I'm just praying, and I turned my music down, I turned on something instrumental like Corey's playing right now. And I just said, God, what do you want from me on this retreat? My default is always do. What do you want me to do? Who do you want me to meet? What do you want me to say? Who am I here for, God? You know what I felt like God said to me? You're here for you. Because David, I want to minister to you to your soul. 
and, and I wish it was, it's not as spiritual as it sounds. I went, I don't even know what that means. What do you mean you're going to minister to my soul? I'm fine. And I, I, I'll be super honest with you. I went on this retreat and it was like I, I, I disengaged from the world to engage with my shepherd. I had flipped. Previously, I had disengaged from my shepherd to do everything else that was required of me. I flipped and I said, okay, God, I'm open. Whatever you want to do. And God spoke and moved in my life on that retreat in a way that changed the direction of my life. And there were people that came in and they, they prayed over me and they spoke words. They were, they were saying, okay, God, speak through us to David. What does David need to hear? And I was in tears because the things God was speaking to were on a level of my heart I did not want to touch for years, some of them for decades. And God spoke, God moved, God healed, God inspired, God led. And it was like when I was done, I went... Why haven't I done this sooner? Because I often think that I know best. And the truth is, the Lord is a great, great shepherd. He doesn't just do that for pastors. He does that for his children. He could do that for you. So what is stopping you from experiencing God like that today? What's stopping you? If I could encourage you just as we close, here's a couple things I want to point you to this summer to invest in your soul. Pray with your small group. That implies that you have a small group. If you don't have a, a small group, find one or build one or join one here. Pray with your small group and invite them to pray over you like others prayed over me, like my small group has prayed over me and my family. Here's another one. Serve at a sin event. God shows up mightily when we serve and use our gifts and our influences and our resources for the purposes of him and his kingdom. Serve at a sin event. Here's another one. Watch and participate online. If you're watching online, I'm talking to you right now. Don't be a passive observer for your soul. Engage. Activate your soul in the kingdom of God. Allow God to work even if you're far away. Allow him to move and speak in your life and do it with people around you. And here's the last one. Come to church in person if you're local. If you have something vaccine-related or something COVID-related that prevents you, that's okay. Number three is for you. But there are so many people in the world right now and in our community right now and in our church right now that are using this as an excuse to disengage from the church and it's killing them. So let me be a voice that says if you can be here and if that check engine light has been flashing that you need to be here, be here. Come back. Come back. Here's the whole point of today. It's this. The best thing that you bring to every context of your life is a healthy soul. Let's allow the Father, God in heaven, to be our shepherd for the purposes 
of our soul. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are our shepherd. What we pray right now, Father, is that you would speak and that you would move and that you would invite us to meet you or engage with you or hear from you or follow you or be led by you in a way that maybe we haven't allowed you to do. So, Father, move in this room, move online, move on the podcast as people are listening later. I pray, Father, that we would open our hearts to hear and be led by you. Do something that only you can do. Refresh our souls. We love you. And we pray this in Jesus' name and everybody said together, amen.